Um, well, lads, we were, we were doing great on Friday night. 18 of us. Burly. Strong. Warrior-like. Faithful. <laughs> so we worshipped the Lord together, a load of us lads on Friday night, uh, down in the venue. And uh, I, I just thought it was a super evening. Short, sweet. No, sweet, that's not manly. It was, uh, sh- it was, it was, it was a holy moment. It was. And uh, it was just wonderful, those of us who were gathered together to worship him. I just thought it was really significant. And the thing was, that leads brilliantly, and I haven't even thought of this brilliantly, because it's the Lord, because I haven't prepared this. Um, are you recording this, by the way, this week? Oh, good, good. I forgot to record it last week. I'm not mad. And um, <laughs> for the 12 people that listen. completely forgotten what I was about to do or say. Men's worship. So we've been journeying this thing for the last number of weeks about his presence. Banging on it like a drum, right? In his presence, we come alive. We encounter him and he fills us. We become who we are, who we're intended to be, sets us free. And then he unites us corporately with one another. And so on Friday evening with a few of us just worshipping, you could just sense that there was a oneness relationally amongst the people who were there in the room. And so afterwards, um, Hugo Crawford, some of you will know Hugo, he just piped up and he said, can I share a story? He just shared the most incredible story about, it's just a real current thing about, um, where are you here, Hugo? No, he's not here. Okay, I don't have his permission. He, he, he spoke just a real great story, which just then unlocked something in the room, unlocked something in the hearts of the fellows who were there, and we began to sort of open up and begin to share. I think it's that that I want to kind of follow on this, this morning, is simply when we're in his presence, he does something in us as a people, as individuals, but then he unites us together. And it's that togetherness that we talked about last week about being a family. We talk about the three C's that make us who we are, connection with God and relationship with Him. We talk about um, community amongst ourselves. And what I want us to talk about is compassion for people that we don't know yet. Or maybe compassion that we do know, but really need to know and really need to hear the good news of Jesus Every good thing starts in his presence. And as we encounter him, he sends us. And one of the best stories, we've we've spoken on it many times before in this church, is the the Samaritan woman, the lady at the well, the woman at the well that we have often talked about. Some of you will know the story well, some of you maybe not so well. But Jesus, or this lady encounters Jesus, his real presence. And during the conversation, She begins to see herself for who she is, but she is not condemned by Jesus. She is loved by Jesus. And because of the encounter that she has with him in his presence, she is compelled to go and tell the town of which she's part of. 
And it, the, the Bible tells us that, that she goes back to the town and she tells them, tells everyone, come see a man who knows everything about me. And that is the experience of many of us who we have come into relationship with Jesus. We are compelled to go share it. We are sent. And Jesus is about sending us to a broken, hurting world. Many of you folks, people's stories that I know, that you've come and you're, you're new. You're new to church. You're new to faith. You are the ones who, when we run an event, you are on church app booking six tickets. And we say yes to that. We say, yes, that's fantastic. The reason is you're booking loads and loads of tickets for all your other friends who don't know Jesus because you've met him and you've encountered him and he's changed your life and you want to bring them so that they can hear also. Being a believer is not simply booking a ticket to eternity. We book the first class ticket and we're waiting in the waiting room for him to call us heavenward. Yes, we get that. But whilst we're here, he calls us and he's got a job for us. We are compelled to give away that which he has given us. It's such a kingdom mentality that we are called to pass it on or pay it forward. And it's interesting that we are all called to full-time ministry. That's what we're talking about this morning, talking about ministry, the word ministry. And hopefully you'll understand what I mean by that as we go on. But we're all called to full-time ministry. It's not just for the paid professionals. Professionals. You know. I, uh, many of you will know Ivan Skinner, who's a part of our church. Ivan had heart surgery uh, during the week. He uh, and Gail have been bowled over by many of our love and support, uh, which has been wonderful. And they thank us all for that. He's at home recovering, and uh, doctor's orders are to give him time and space to recover. So um, more well wishes and all that, but please don't go and visit them. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, at least, would be good. Many of us did visit him in hospital. And um, I rocked up. Uh, if you don't know who Ivan is, he usually sits around here or here or here. There, right there. No offense to you at all. <laughs> but he has a bald head glasses and looks like Harry Hill. So some of you, you're not sure who I'm talking about. That's him. Sorry. And um, <laughs> that's right. You were called Ian last week. Goodness me. We can pray for healing afterwards. Anyway, so I go to see Ivan. I'm up at the hospital. And uh, those of you who've done that, you, you, you go to the ward. It's hard enough to find the ward in the first place, but you're there at the ward. And you kind of go to the desk where the nurses are. They're just frantic and busy and all this. There's a load of them. And I, I said to this nurse, uh, I said, oh, I'm here to see Ivan Skinner. And they're like, oh, right, that, oh, that's nice. And she looks at me as if to say, um, you've got hair. Anyway, she didn't say that. She said, are you, are you a member of the family? I said, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm his minister. Now, I don't really like the term pastor, which is what we sort of get called. And I kind of struggle with that as it is. But I kind of use minister in those kind of things because it sounds a bit more like proper and formal and like people take you seriously. So anyway, I was dressed in standard vineyard attire, <laughs> shall we say. And she literally <laughs> looks me in the face, smiles and looks me up and down as if to say, you're having me on. 
And I was like, I am for real. Really, 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 I am. Anyway, she said where he was, and I went and visited him and all the rest. And that was that. The point I am trying to make is that many of us went to see him because we're all ministers. We are all called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are ambassadors of him. His presence lives inside us, which means this. It means where we go, he goes. Where we go, he goes. If you're a Christian, if you claim that you are a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus means that we are a sent people. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he also said, go and make disciples. Paul said, you should be equipped for works of service. And Peter said, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We are all priests. We are all ministers of the Lord. So what does ministry actually mean? It means serving others, loving others, praying for others, helping others, sharing the good news to others, giving to others, and healing, in the name of Jesus, others. This is ministry. It's an incredible privilege to be a part of, that we all get to play. It is extremely rewarding, fulfilling, life-changing, and life-giving. But it can also be incredibly sacrificial, painful, and at times disappointing. But it is worth it. It's what we're called to do, so we may as well just get on and do it. What ministry? Some people say, oh, I don't know what I'm called to. What am I made for? What am I whatever? Uh, and some people never really take the time to think about that, and that's okay. Just do what comes naturally. Going back to what I said about people who are new to faith, new, new in our church, you're just doing what comes naturally. You're just going and telling all your friends. Just do what it is that God is laying upon your heart. But we must understand this, that when we talk about ministry, it is his ministry and not our ministry. This is a word of caution. Sometimes over the years, I've heard phrases like, oh, my ministry is such and such, or I've got the ministry of, and then you name what it is. I just think we're on slightly dangerous grounds when we talk about it in that way. Worse still, I, I've, I've, I've seen uh, paid professionals make whole ministries about themselves when, again, it's about his ministry. I've seen people gain their identity in an unhealthy way when we get ourselves wrapped up by our ministry. I've seen it in churches where Individuals have been given time, space, prominence, leadership that have nearly created their whole empire that becomes untouchable within certain church life. And we daren't challenge that person because it's their ministry. How dare we ever talk about it in those ways? It's his ministry. And every single one of us present every single one of us should be in the position that if asked to by Jesus should be willing to lay down that which has been entrusted to us like that we are but small change loose change 
in the Father's pocket to be spent at his accord at any time. We are, though, the hands and feet, the body of Christ to one another. And our biblical understanding can be summarized in a brilliant passage which we're going to come to in a moment. Uh, during the week, we had uh, another election, and uh, the, the various political parties get their opportunity to lay out their manifesto, their mandate. This is what I'll do, and this is what we're going to do, and blah de blah And Jesus uh, had his manifesto, his mandate. And some of you know where I'm going with this. Uh, it's taken from Luke 4, and it's one verse, and it's Jesus. He, he walks into a synagogue, the equivalent of us today, a public meeting. He takes the scrolls with Torah, which is the, what we know as the Old Testament. He takes from the prophet Isaiah, and he reads the following words, which hopefully some of you will be able to uh, recount verbatim as well. And it starts with the Spirit. Help me out. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because? Because he has anointed me to? Preach or proclaim good news to the poor or the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. He reads this in a public meeting. He says, today in your hearing... These words have been fulfilled. And he begins to go do what it says on the tin. And we are called, even though those words were about Jesus, specifically about him, because he has called us and is sending us, we can apply these words to us. And so we must go do what it says on the tin. What does it say? I will read to you. The Spirit of the Lord is on you because he has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He is sending you to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. God's Spirit is upon us. Remember, every good thing starts in his presence. The Holy Spirit is upon us, not just to give us warm, fuzzy feelings, and we love him, and we love that. Boy, I love that. I love it when someone prays for me, and I just sense his presence, and I sense his warmth, and his love, and his mercy, and his grace for me. I love that, and I need that often. We all need that often. We need to experience his presence in that way for us deeply and personally. But it's not just for us. We are called to give it away. And so his Holy Spirit is upon us to proclaim good news to the poor. And it doesn't just mean those without cash. To proclaim freedom to prisoners. And it doesn't just mean those who are in jail. To provide recovery of sight to the blind. And it's not restricted just to people who are blind. To set the oppressed free. And that can mean a whole manner of things. Conditions, hurts, habits, hang-ups. That might make a person feel bound. We can summarize all of this 
into three areas, ministry to the sick, ministry to the lost, and ministry to the poor. Before we do that, what are the qualifications to do ministry? You don't have to be the super spiritual. You don't need to be the holy, anointed man of God. You don't need to have gone and done two-year theological degree at some Bible college. Two qualifications. Faith that God can do something and change something. And compassion. Faith and compassion. Jesus went through the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news, healing disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. They are the qualifications that we need in order to act and to react. If we are in touch with our own brokenness, our own uh, blind spots, our own hurts, our wounds, our weaknesses, and we deal with them healthily, we have compassion on others. But if we become hardened, arrogant, professional, then we close ourselves off to the needs of others. We are all on a journey. And I love it that the Vineyard Church is known for many things. But one of the hallmarks that makes us us is that we are a church of the walking wounded. And that we are called, regardless of where we're at, to go serve um, those who are around us. And the thing is, I've said this before, your painful story, healed and set free and, and working towards wholeness with Jesus, your painful story, the situation, the thing that you've been subjected to or whatever it is, becomes the very hallmark that God is able to use to bless and encourage others of a similar nature. I love that. That's the restorative nature of Jesus. Come, get healed up, get set free. And the very thing that the enemy intended to shame you and to hurt you and put you in a box and devour you, that very thing becomes the hallmark that God takes. He says, boy, that was meant for harm, but it can be intended for good. And I just know that so much of my own stuff, that God somehow has just brought so many other people into my life who've had that similar journey. And I'm able to share, oh, I so understand. I so can uh, just relate to what you're telling me. It just happens. And I know it's true for many of you, knowing your stories, that often God just draws these people into your life. It's like, I've got something to say on that subject. Let me tell you what happened to me. So ministry to the sick. This is holistic, which means whole, and means mind, body, and spirit. It can mean the whole of our lives. And we're called to heal the sick. And it often means one of the ways in which we do this, in which way we model this, is through praying for each other through the laying on of hands. And we do that in the context of Sundays. We do this in life groups. We do this in other ministries that we run like Revive and Rest. Uh, we do this in specific life groups when there's a particular emphasis on uh, maybe the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, more recently, we have launched uh, through Hazel Gurner, prayer ministry by appointment. 
Uh, for some folks, if you, you feel like you're a little bit stuck and you need just a little bit more than uh, maybe prayer at the front on a Sunday or whatever, uh, it's like an appointment-based thing where you can go specifically and receive prayer. Now, we talked about this, didn't we, week one. We're at week eight, by the way, on this whole series. And we, I read out a number of things. And I said one of the things is, do we feel confident in terms of being able to pray for other people through the laying on of hands? And I'm just wondering where people are at with that. I'm just wondering if that's been an area that any of us have developed in. And I just thought what we would do this morning is a crash course on uh, prayer ministry. So I'm going to do that, and uh, I need a volunteer, uh, preferably a man. It has to be a man. So uh, I would like you to come and be here, and you don't need to face the front. I'll be the one facing the front, but uh, I'd like to pray for you here in front of everyone else so that they can see it and see what we do when we do that. I know we're all feeling really awkward now at this point in time, and that's okay. But I just kind of thought, we, we've got to do this. So um, any fellas? Here, if you're going to point at someone, uh, you're coming out. <laughs> is, there, is, is there a bloke who would be willing? Good lad. There we go. So this man's come to the front. Well done, pal. And you can face me so you don't have to face. So, so if I don't know Frank here, um, Johnny here, I, I would say, how you doing, mate? I'm Paul. What's your name? I'm Frank. And, and I might say to Johnny, I might say, you know, what is it that you want prayer for? Or it might be in response to something that I've said. So I kind of know what he's come forward for. So I might just have that conversation. In fact, we'll have that now. Is there anything specific that you'd like prayer for? Yeah, I think probably people just praying on a daily basis for day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Well done, mate. Well done. Boy, you're being really brave. And so uh, that's that. That's disclosed between me, the prayer, and the, pray, the person I'm praying for. And I say, okay, that's great. And then what I might do, I wouldn't do this with Johnny because I know him. And I know that he's going to be okay with me putting my hand on his shoulder. But if I don't know the fella, I might just say, would you mind if I just uh, put my hand just appropriately on your shoulder there? And they usually say yes. And if they don't, then you respect that. And then you just encourage the person just to receive. You say, okay, I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to do that in a moment. We're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes. And then I'm going to pray in a way that I sense that God is leading me. So I'm not going to pray, oh, Johnny, you're such a great bloke, mate. You're such a talented fella and blah-de-blah -blah and all that. Because that, that's praying, praying. That's not ministering. Ministering is trying to flow with what you sense the Holy Spirit is doing at the time. Okay? So um, I'll pray. And if I sense that Johnny is praying himself, I'll say to them, mate, stop praying. Because you are encouraging them to receive. They're receiving from the Holy Spirit. This is only what God can do. And we're just like a conduit. That's a really fancy word. We're just kind of working between uh, ushering and, and, and allowing and wanting the Holy Spirit to come. And, uh, and just blessing what God is doing. God is doing this bit. I'm just kind of, I'm like the waiter. 
that goes to the chef and says, what's the order? The order's identity. I go to the chef. I say, this fellow here, he wants identity on a plate, please. And I come and I deliver what God is giving. Okay? So we're going to do that, and I might coach a little bit as I'm praying. Okay? And I hope you don't feel too awkward right now where you are here. Okay? Ready? You're a good man. Well done. So, Lord, we thank you for John. You'll notice if you're watching, you'll notice that I have my eyes open. And the reason is um, that I can really try and see what the Lord is doing. I only see what I see the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. And you can probably see he's moving a wee bit. This isn't him, by the way. This isn't like him to, this isn't a show. This is just the, the presence and the weight of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. You can see this. Now, I haven't prayed much. I've just said, come Holy Spirit. And it, God's doing this, right? And so we just bless what you're doing. Now, at this moment of time, I haven't got a clue what God's doing. I'm just saying that to help you get over that bit. But I'm trying now, when I shut up, to just tune in and see what are you doing, Lord? the enemy has sought to rob, kill, and destroy the heart of who you are is saying no more. No more.
and that's it. That was easy. We can all do that, couldn't we? Couldn't we? You're laughing, aren't you? That's not hard, sure it's not. You don't need to go to Bible college for that. Sure you need to. If you would like to, um, what, what I would normally do then is either walk away <laughs> or, or I would say, how you doing? And we might then just have a bit of a debrief and a conversation afterwards. But that's it. Now, I pray it's non-manipulative, it's non-religious, it's not hyped up. I wasn't pushing him. Any of those things. Healing. Inner healing. Emotional healing. Psychological damage. Relational brokenness. Physical healing. Deliverance from demons. Giving and receiving of forgiveness. That's when we lay hands and pray that God does what God can do in that way. And the last point before we move on to the next two is that it should not be restricted to the four walls. That which we just did there, you do on a Friday night with the guys that go out on a team. You could do that this afternoon with your neighbor, with your friends, with your colleague, the mum at the school gate, fellow at the sports club, whatever it might be, and just pray in that way. Ministry to the lost. This simply means serving and loving those who don't yet know Jesus. The term many of us might know is evangelism. I don't know how you feel about that word. It sounds like a bit of a dirty word to me. It's like, ah, oh, no, I've got to tell people about Jesus. And we start freaking out, right? So we're all called to minister to the lost. And some people will exercise this whole gift much, uh, much more than others. And that's okay. But we're all called to share our life in that way to people that don't yet know Jesus. We do that as a people in different ways. First of all, by divine appointments. God just sets it up. You're there and you're, you know, you're sharing a journey with someone and it just comes around in the conversation. You're, uh, you're there during the staff, uh, I don't know, break or whatever over coffee. And it's like the opportunity, it's a divine appointment. God has set it up. And we have the opportunity to speak. We do it through structured programs, through servant evangelism, giving away stuff. Alpha course, I've mentioned Revive. It could be our community and social programs, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. It could be things like Mother's Day pop-up cafe. Um, it could be special events and things like that. And often it can be through friendships and family, just through simply sharing your life. Two things I would say is learn to tell your story. People will ask you, and you just need to tell your story that's personal to you. What is it that God has done in you? And then learn to tell his story in a way that isn't, I've been washed in the blood of the lamb language. You know, simple language that people can understand. And the reality is this. I think and I sense that today in our culture and society, People are more open to the person of Jesus in relationship with God than ever before. And I think that you, some of you who are on the fence a bit on that and a bit behind the door and a bit oh, about speaking now, I think you'd be surprised at how open 
and how desperate people are to hear the good news of a God who deeply cares and loves people. Lastly, and we'll come into land, is ministry to the poor. It's certainly not the last point. It is a hallmark of who we are as a church. You visit most, I would say, any vineyard church, and it is a hallmark, is ministry to the poor. We don't call it that. We call it our compassion ministries, which Steve and Elaine Fugard, they head up in the life of our church. And Chantelle's going to speak in more detail about it uh, next week. But there is a special place in the heart of God for those who are poor. And it's not just those who are poor in cash. And we are called to be the hands and the feet and do that. And we have a number of programs. I'm not going to cover them again today. A number of things that we do as a church. And I know there's a number of you in your own context as an individual or through your work are often ministering to those who are poor and who are in need. Before I hand back to Sergi and the guys and they're going to lead us in worship, uh, you'll have seen that we put these um, little tea lights, little candles on your seats. I wonder if you can guess. Jesus is the light of the world. And he also said, you are the light of the world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the light of the world. And we would like you to take away a little candle today. Do with it whatever you want to do with it. But it is a reminder that you are the light of the world. And where you go, he goes. And where you go, the light of Christ shines in the darkness. And that as followers of Jesus, he calls us and then sends us. Sometimes to places we don't want to go. But he sends us to be the light in the dark places that he might be glorified.